Welcome to the Wellness Revolution Podcast, the radio show all about wellness in your mind, body, spirit, personal growth, sex, and relationships. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have achieved physical, mental, and spiritual health in their lives. If you'd like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit drveronica.com for instant access. And here is your host, Dr. Veronica. I'm Dr. Veronica, medical doctor, medical intuitive, and all-around fun host to listen to on the radio because I talk about all the subjects that nobody else wants to talk about in the way that we talk about them. So what do I do? Well... Today, you're going to have fun because we're going to talk about what everybody always wants to talk about and is taboo. And I actually read an article today in the newspaper about how people learn about sex in America versus the Dutch. And I think the the number was 60 percent, 60, 65 percent of girls, specifically teenage girls, learned about sex from pornography. So how do you think that this possibly shapes our relationships and what we think about men? And um, if girls are learning about sex from pornography, you know that that's how the men are learning about sex. Um, And this, as you can imagine, has led to lots of problems in what people expect in their relationships and also uh, not just relationships, what they expect on an intimate and physical level and how it leads us astray. Because, as you know, pornography is not the real world. It's not how things go. I don't know how you feel about it. I think, hey, if people like that as entertainment, that's fine. But you have to realize it's just like when I went to the movies and I saw Deadpool. It's the same type of thing. It's acting. Even when they say it's real, it's acting uh, for your entertainment. So we're going to talk about relationships, sex, and women seem more concerned about this than men. So who better to get advice from than a man so he can tell you the real deal about how men think and feel because it is very different than women. Um, But before we get into that, I got to say hi to my, and I'll call him this again, trusty co-host, Russell. Uh, Hi, Russell. (laughs) Hello, Veronica. You know, you are an all-around fun host. (laughs) And I'm your all-around fun co-host. And never have more fun than when we're talking about sex. Absolutely. Um, and, and you guys have to, the audience would like to know, you know, Russell and I, every once in a while, have these discussions about something that happens in our life um, <laughs> from a physical perspective and something we liked or didn't like. And um, some of you may be cringing right now because, you know, here we are in America that's very conservative. And um, first you're thinking about, I don't know, um, you you might be into, what, what do they search on the internet? There was a, I, I read another study about what people search what when they're looking on search. pornography. Um, and Russell, you'll be happy to know that the, I believe that the highest search term on the Internet for pornography, and it doesn't matter what part of the country you're in, is lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a lesbian, yes, I'm very happy to know. Well, people are uh, people are people are say that they're against same sex relationships yet. When it comes to what people are doing behind doors or what they like to look at, they're looking at same-sex relationships. <laughs> so. Yeah, I've not seen that thing particularly, but I've seen uh, stuff like 
in the states where uh, in the in the red states where they're supposedly more religious and more you know proper, those are the states that are always searching for things like anal sex. So on. Yes, and that is true. I so. I posted that on my Facebook page, and nobody commented about it because either you know here we are. It's America. No, we'd rather watch violence and talk about violence than talk about relationships and sex. And so here we are, a bunch of screwed up mess. And so therefore, we have to call in experts to tell us how to do what we ought to know how to do. <laughs> uh, but luckily, we do have people who are experts. Um, and so let me introduce to you. This this gentleman who's been all over the place, CNN, New York Times, Time Magazine, Wall Street Journal, and more, and more, and more, USA Today, Evan Mark Katz. He is a relationship expert. And one of his lines that I love because, you know, I used to be, people always have come to me about relationships and I would tell them what to do. Now, I think I get the right answer because I of my intuitive skills. And so when somebody would talk to me about something, I'd be, well, here's what's going on. Blah, 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 blah. This is before I admitted that I was an intuitive, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, th- try this. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to work for you. And people would come back to me. Oh, my God, <laughs> I can't believe it. I did exactly what you said to do. And it worked like a charm. And so um, I've done radio interviews about sex and relationships. Actually, um, back a while ago, I was on Fox Network, Fox News Network, with Neil Cavuto as a relationship expert. And I was commenting on the relationship of Bill and Hillary Clinton, interestingly, um, and about Hillary and her wife skills, which we're not going to get into politics today and wife skills today, but... Um, it was one of their most popular segments that people were calling to me. This is back when I was still an ophthalmologist. It resonated so much that people were calling my office and everything like that. And um, my psychologist said, oh, my gosh, you should do this as your next career because you just know how to tell people the right things. But this is not what I do now because I have other areas of core genius. But Evan Mark Katz is going to tell us he has to start and tell us why chemistry leads people into long uh, into wrong relationships chemistry leads us into wrong relationships so evan mark katz welcome to wellness for the real world uh thank you for having me veronica i appreciate you uh, uh including me in your show thank you so much for being here so tell us chemistry people are so hooked on chemistry they feel when i first see a person they're supposed to be a spark fly if no spark flies that's it shut down the relationship move on to the next person what do you have to say about that well i think um i think people tend to have a pretty black and white reading um of chemistry and like most things in life they're more nuanced and subtleties so when i talk about the dangers of chemistry um, as a blinding force that binds people and keeps them in uh, unhappy long-term relationships due to passion chemistry um, and, and that in-love feeling, um, no one is suggesting that one should have a relationship without chemistry. Somehow that's what people hear. I say, be, be wary of uh, blinding white-hot chemistry, and people say, oh, so you should just settle and be in a relationship where you, you are unattracted to someone, and that's not the case at all. Um, the issue is that most people chase a certain feeling without realizing that the feeling itself, chemistry, is in fact chemical. And these are re- 
these are chemical reactions in your brain. And if anybody you know, sort of doubts that, you could go to Wikipedia, go look up the word love, <laughs> scroll down to the biological basis of love, uh, and look at Helen Fisher's research on this that talks about love as three overlapping stages, lust, attraction, and attachment. And lust is that initial thing that you could feel for a total inappropriate stranger at a bar. Uh, attraction is lust that's individualized for one person. It becomes your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and you may lust and be attracted to that person. And that's marked by dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine. Yeah. High highs, low lows. Oh, my God, he called me. Oh, my God, I can't stop thinking about him. He didn't call me. I think I'm going to kill myself. Right? That's, that's what happens when you're under the influence of chemistry. It is the equivalent of being on cocaine or methamphetamine. Well, what happens to sustain a 40-year relationship? Right? Chemistry wears off in 18 to 36 months. So real love, attached love, the thing that endures for 40 years, is what happens after that feeling is gone. But people think that feeling is love, and that's a big part of what I try to do as a dating and relationship coach and, and, and try to educate people into making long-term decisions, not just being so driven by the feeling of chemistry, which keeps them in bad long-term relationships. So most of the people that you meet, is that their problem generally, that they're driven by that chemistry and they can't get past it, so they continue to choose inappropriately? I, I, I mean, I, I think it's always, you know, when you do interviews like this, you know, you're, you're in the position to say, you know, name your top dating advice, your top three bullet points. And I think it's, uh, I think it's a very common thing that people contend with. And this is not just, you know, the stuff for, you know, 15-year-old Romeo and Juliet. You have people in their 60s who are making decisions based on chemistry <laughs> rather than compatibility. And so I think people have um, a lack of understanding about what chemistry is and a lack of understanding about what compatibility really is. And, um, you know, again, it's the, the, you know, that's the, the, the main thrust of what I do. I have a six-month course called Love You that walks people through this, this process of, of making healthier relationship choices independently um, because it's not something that we're taught in school and it's not something that we always arrive at naturally despite a lot of trial and error. Yeah, I, I think it depends on what you've been around and what we're seeing in the media and all that other type of stuff. And so there's always this, you know, big overture and sparks fly and they live happily ever after and you never see anything past that, which leads me to say um, you I was reading your blog and Ode to my wife. And you said before you got married, you still were a dating and relationship coach. And people will say, well, how do you know? How do you know? Because you're not even married or you're not in a relationship. So tell me what what drove you to talk about Ode to my wife or what it looks like when you're happily married? Um, well, uh I, you referred to my blog. I've been writing twice a week in a blog for the past eight years. In 2015, we had nine million unique people come in and read it, usually in some sort of random Google search when you're looking for dating relationship questions online. Um, this was just a, a, a reference to uh, a New York Times, it's not a New York Times, a, a, New York, a New York Magazine article by Heather Haverleski, which she talked about what it's like to be in a 10-year in a happy marriage. And, and uh, I, I really just built on her original post as a guy who's now been married for seven and a half years. Um, it's so different than the pictures that are, that are painted. Um, again, I wouldn't even blame Hollywood and the media. I think, I think 
if you are or you know someone who's happily married, right, and they say that only about one-third of marriages are happy marriages, right? if you know someone who's happily married or you are happily married, you feel like you have a secret that a bunch of other people don't understand. Right? And it's not a terribly complex one, but it makes you want to be evangelical, right, to tell people, well, here's what we do. Here's what works for us. Does, does that make any sense? Yes. And for, for someone who's on their second time around, what made me happy when I got married the first time and then caused me to jump out of it is not the same thing that makes me happy now in life. Sure. And so how do you you, you also talk about, uh, you know, are, are you starting over or taking a break um, evaluating the relationship. How do you, do you have people come to you that are in the midst of a breakup, either a marriage breakup or a relationship breakup and determining whether they should stay or not? What do you tell people like that? Um, again, it's always dangerous to give you know, bl- <laughs> black and white answers. I know. But I, I, I will say this. <laughs> if someone who's in a relationship is turning to a dating and relationship coach, your relationship is probably already broken. I've, I've never, I've never gotten a call from a happy couple who just wanted to share their joy with me. Oh, you understand? Okay. Yes. Like happy couples don't seek this kind of advice, and so there's usually some. It's usually too far gone to fix, and I usually encourage people to break up before they start working with me, as opposed to the uh, the illusion of help the the I'm going to act as a marriage counselor or relationship counselor and help you guys communicate my belief is that each relationship is like putting on a shoe right? if it fits it fits and it's really comfortable to walk in and if it doesn't fit you could spend your whole life trying to force your foot into the shoe <laughs> but you're probably better off just buying a better fitting pair of shoes yes I'm a big, I'm a believer in, in easy relationships. The, to me, it's an, it's an older paradigm, um, perhaps from, you know, uh, the greatest generation. You know, relationships take work. You know, relationships take work. That's what everybody says. Relationships take work. I don't think relationships take work. I think bad relationships take a lot of work. I think good relationships are fundamentally easy. They may take effort. I have to be, I have to be generous and thoughtful and sensitive to my wife, but that's not work. You know what I mean? That's very true. Uh, I got to say, when I was um, married before for quite a long time, I felt like it was a struggle a lot of the time. And I felt that I had to stay in because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, And it was like running uphill quite a lot of the time. And I, I don't blame my ex for this. I'm not angry about this. I blame myself because I believe I stayed in the relationship too long. Um, and so, therefore, I chose to run uphill because you're taught that once you're in the relationship and you're married, you should just stay through good and bad, even if you're absolutely miserable. And so this is why two thirds of marriages, I believe, um, and, and some people who are in long term relationships are really very unhappy because they just think I'm going to stay. And what I think that really has to do with people lacking the courage to move on and figure out what it what it's like out there. Let's talk about exclusivity. And I'm going to tell you a little exclusivity story. This is really funny. When my um, current husband and I um, first began to date, um, as the American way would have it, I was seeing a few other people at the same time. And it was nothing serious as far as I was concerned. It was just every once in a while, somebody to go out with and hang out with. Well, my husband, originally being from West Africa, that was not acceptable in the culture there. My husband 
uh, at that time we we had just met um told me when we first met hey um it's just going to be casual you know i just want to let you know i'm not really interested in getting married i was married before it didn't work out i really kind of really didn't want to get married in the first place i know a lot of women are looking for marriage so i just want to let you know up front that i'm i'm not the marrying type and i said cool with me i've been married i've done that white picket fence life let's just go out and have a good time um but as we proceed to date one day um I meet this guy in the parking garage and I start talking to uh, he, he's he's a guy this is going to be my husband but a guy I'm he's I'm just dating him at the time and he gets really jealous and upset he gets really uptight that I'm talking to this guy and I say to him but you know wait a second we've only been seeing each other for weeks now and you're not the only one and we end up getting into a big rigmarole about who I can see and who I can't see. And if I'm going to see these other people, then I'm not going to be seeing him at the same time because that's just not the way it works. You do one thing at a time, one person at a time, that's it. Doesn't matter that I said that I don't want anything serious, but you still should only see me. Exclusivity. I believe women have a very different view of exclusivity than men do. But now we're in the hookup culture where women want to hook up just as much. So how do you know you're exclusive, Evan? There's a lot there, my dear Veronica. I think it's not nearly as complicated as uh, people make it out to be. People reveal themselves in their actions. um, And ultimately people are responsible for their own choices. So what you see is a woman goes out with man three times, sleeps with him, then keeps her fingers crossed that he's going to turn into a boyfriend. That's a perfect case of getting the order wrong. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to use wrong as a, a, a pejorative term. You know, someone, anybody's allowed to have you know, no strings attached sex and, and, and do whatever makes you happy. The problem is when you, you set yourself up for disappointment or failure. If you're, if you're having sex, hoping it turns into a relationship, um, I would generally recommend that you don't have sex until you're in a relationship. And so um, clients who work with me, um, you know, we use the term sex exclusivity. You don't sleep with any guy who's not your boyfriend. Now, some guy might want to be your boyfriend in three, three weeks. Some guys want, might want to wait six weeks and before you both determine that this is a relationship worth investing in, where you're using the terminology boyfriend-girlfriend. The problem, of course, is that people um, have sex first. They go for instant gratification. I'm sleeping with him because I like him. Right? That doesn't mean he likes you. That doesn't mean he wants a relationship. It doesn't mean he wants a relationship with you. It just means you're, you're there, you have a pulse, and you're willing. And so um, because women and men sometimes handle sex differently, it creates a whole bunch of friction. And to me, the simplest thing is, is to you know, lay out the terms when it's appropriate. I think you're a great guy. I think I'm really attracted to you. I don't sleep with other guys who are looking at other people on Match.com. You could understand that, can't you, Ron? And he'll say, yeah, I guess so. Right? And then you could employ foreplay X number of weeks right, as you continue to date each other and figure out if you like each other personally, right, platonically. Um, before you cross the threshold and say, yes, you're my boyfriend. Yes, I'm going to sleep with you. So um, lots of people have uh, things that are, that are under the guise of exclusivity. A guy will say, I- I'm exclusive. I'm not sleeping with anybody else. Well, that doesn't mean he's not dating anybody else. It doesn't mean he's not looking for anybody else. It doesn't mean he wants to be his girlfriend. So the word exclusivity right, is sort of like a legal loophole. <laughs> and so I don't, I, don't, I don't worry about the, you know, the actual exclusivity. 
are we boyfriend and girlfriend? As antiquated as that terminology sounds, it's the appropriate terminology. And if a guy hasn't stepped up and made you his girlfriend, claimed you in six weeks or so, he's probably not going to. So I, I hear you saying six weeks or so. Is is Do you find overlooking at lots of relationships that six weeks tends to be a good amount of time to give someone. And so if I'm talking to a guy and I'm not sure about how things are goes, he hasn't made a definitive move, move on to the next person at six weeks. Listen, it's not a magic number, right? This is just pattern recognition. This is what we see. So I would say that there's, there's two sort of a bifurcated pattern that you see. Uh, two people fall in, they have incredible chemistry, they dive in, two dates, they're like, let's give this thing a shot. They're instant boyfriend, girlfriend, they're instantly having sex. Often turns out to be a mistake because they're blinded by chemistry, they haven't taken the time to get to know each other, but they feel what they feel, there's no point in seeing anybody else, let's go. So there's the very quick ramping up where you're exclusive and you're having sex, and that could happen in a couple. And then there's people who are a little bit more mature, and people who are a little bit more reasoned, a little bit less blinded by, by passion. You don't have the, oh, my God, you just know feeling. It's like, this is a good person. I'm having fun. I'm attracted. Right? And in truth, the more time you're spending with this person, the more you should like them and crave their company. So it may start off as once a week, but then you're calling and texting every day, and then you're seeing each other twice a week or three times a week. And, hey, what are you doing next week? And you, you start to plan in advance. And pretty soon it becomes clear that this is ramping up towards a relationship. If a guy, and again, I'm always I'm putting it on a guy, I'm a coach for women, but if, if, if a guy's been seeing you for eight weeks and you're still just seeing each other once a week with an occasional text, what makes you think it's going to be any different two months after that? <laughs> you see, my, see what I mean? Mm. So there should be a normal ramping up, a normal arc towards what appears to be boyfriend-girlfriend, right? Taking your profiles down, talking every day, seeing each other multiple times a week. If that doesn't happen organically, it doesn't really matter why. It doesn't matter if he's um, gun-shy from his previous divorce or if he's in a bad place or if he's still having sex with his neighbor. Right? I wrote about this in my book, Why He Disappeared. It really doesn't matter why he disappeared. It really doesn't matter why he doesn't want to be your boyfriend. Just pay attention to his actions. So you don't have to get angry. You don't have to issue an ultimatum. But if you've been seeing a guy once a week for six to eight weeks and it's just flat, it's just the same, it's passing time seeing each other casually, I would feel perfectly comfortable saying, hey, Brad, it's been really fun getting to know you. I'm not looking for a once-a-week guy. I'm actually looking for a boyfriend, right? Best of luck in your search. Take care. And 99% of the time, he'll be like, yeah, I understand. Best of luck. He's not going to say, wait, wait, where are you going? I don't understand. He's going to know. He was just kind of using you to pass the time, and you just cut him off. <laughs> so, hey, there doesn't have to be emotion. There doesn't have to be anger. It's his, his actions speak volumes, right? And the guy who wants you will Step up and show that he wants you. You can't force him to know that he wants to be your boyfriend after three dates. But if you give him, you know, a month, six weeks, somewhere thereabouts, he should get a, a clue that you're 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 the you're a person worth investing time in, right? And he shouldn't have to continue to to play the field and keep his options open. He should be wanting to close his options at that point and take you off the market. Yes. Well, (laughs) we're talking to Evan Mark Katz. He helps women understand men and get to the right relationships. Um, His website, EvanMarkKatz.com. And Mark is with a C. You'll be able to find him. He's all over the place. 
um, has been all over the place. So you'll be somebody who has 9 million views on their website is, you know, you'll be able to find them. And he is the best, which is why you were hearing him on wellness for the real world. Now I'm going to tell Evan that I broke all the rules when it came to dating and relationships and it happened to work for me. Um, I've always been one of those people that can just pick the right guy. People say, how do you get great guys? I just got it like that. I don't know. I just got it like that. But I'm not obviously not the person who goes to the dating coach because I haven't figured out. So um, as you guys know, the story ended well because this guy who um, at first said he didn't want to get married or do anything um, a few weeks after we're dating is really fighting for me. And I'm saying, hey, time out here, time out here. Um, And, you know, about a year later, you know, six months or five months into the relationship, he asked me to marry him. I say yes. And we are happy happily married and it's great um how how long have you been married we've been married for four years now so and and i'll tell you the the secret uh you know ode to my husband is he allows me to be who i am and do what i want to and i think it's the same with him we allow each other to be individuals in our relationship and then we come together but we have the you know we were we a lot of times we're even living apart um, because we are in two different locations and that's the way life has taken us and it absolutely works well for us. So Evan Mark Katz, I'd like to thank you so much for being on Wellness for the Real World. Thank you for listening to the Wellness Revolution podcast. If you want to hear more on how to bring wellness into your life, visit drveronica.com. See you all next week. Take care. <laughs>